The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at Take12Radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it up. The views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Money Man. And welcome, friends and family, those of you who uh, are uh, just a, even a little bit curious about what we're doing here. This is Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, a conference-approved literature uh, of the book, uh, which is referred to affectionately by many as the uh, Twelve and Twelve. And, of course, Chris Schroeder is on the other line with me, getting ready to take us in to the journey of the sixth tradition. Hey, Chris. Hey, Monty. How's it going? How are you doing this week? It, 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 it's going well. And uh, I, I do I do want to put a shout out uh, to everybody that's helped us in the last uh, couple of weeks here, getting us over the hump for the next couple of months to keep us on the air. Uh, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. You guys rock. Absolutely. You know, uh, these, these shows do cost money, Monty. I know how you run uh, run your ship, and you do it about as uh, inexpensively as you possibly can. However, you know there's computer costs, there's uh, there's website uh, costs. Uh, you know it can go on and on, as well as your time. I, I mean, you know, uh, one of the things one of the things uh, inherent in some of the concepts we're not really going over the concepts for world service, but inherent in that is that you know you you pay. Uh, you you pay a, a reasonable salary for someone doing uh, doing work, and uh, I know you you and I do a lot of things for fun and for free because it's in our it's in our service uh, uh, service ethic. Right. However, you know there there are certain things that just should be reimbursed, and and I think uh, I think you running uh, running your show is one of them. Well, th- thank you, my brother. Well, we are getting ready uh, here to um, to get it to get into uh, what I would say with these traditions, kind of even more of a business like flavor with this one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we've we've gone over a number of things, and, and uh, however, you know, there were some early scares uh, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous about professionalization. Uh, you know, getting uh, getting you know hitching your wagon up to uh, a team. And I've got to tell you, the, the early AAs, the people, they, they sometimes probably just had weeks sober, uh, were the ones that were uh, calling for restraint, calling for Bill to, to, to calm down. 
um, you know, the more you learn about uh, about Bill Wilson and his his drive to be a number one man, and I mean, he would even admit to that himself. The more you learn about that, the more you realize that. When he wanted money, he went to the Rockefellers. When he wanted publicity, he went to Reader's Digest. I mean, this, this guy did not fool around. And uh, and Charlie Towns uh, uh, of the, the, the Towns Hospital, where he sobered up the, the last uh, six times he got detoxed, wanted, wanted to professionalize Bill. And there was a lot of other people swooping in. And seeing money signs on this, uh, this, this, uh, this getting drunk sober business, uh, and even even today, Monty, even today, it happens. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying with uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous, but there are people who want to cash in on the sobering up drunks business because it, it's, there's a huge amount of money in there. Sure. When you when you think that there's between five and ten percent of everybody in the country is alcoholic. Or has has addictive illness of, of one uh, variation or another, you know you can you can see gigantic uh, money signs on it. You know it would be at least at least as lucrative as cancer or heart disease if if you could uh, uh, you know if if you could monetize it somehow. So there are a lot of people who who want to do it, and you know, we're moving into a tradition that I believe kind of speaks to to some of that. And uh, I will. Uh, I'll start reading here. We're, we okay. are on page 155 of the book 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, and we're on Tradition 6. An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, unless problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. You know, and the thing that is really cool about, about this tradition and about how this was applied in the very, very early days uh, when when Bill and Bob were were running around, is is the fact that these guys were so hard up for money, that you know they were they were living hand to mouth. Bill Wilson lived in like thirty different places the first ten years he was sober because he he, he didn't have enough money for an apartment. Uh, Doctor Bob was about to lose his house uh, because you know he was a proctologist and he was running out of proctors money. You know he had a bad <laughs> reputation. Of shaking, uh, smelling like alcohol, and having big hands. Yeah, uh, and those those are those are three things you don't want to have if uh, if you're getting your proctor proctor operated on. So, <laughs> so you know, there's a, there's a, if if you look at their economic necessity of these guys, and that's not just Bill and Bob, but but most of them that, that did not have jobs. It was the, it was the Depression era. You know, uh, it was. Uh, a, They'd they'd all lost jobs. I mean, before you got to got to the the places where they were picking you up in the early days, you, you know, you'd gone down the scale to the point where uh, you were probably unemployable. Most of them were, and and listen, if all of a sudden a hospital chain or something like that is saying, "Hey, I'll put all you guys to work," you know, there was there was a very strong motivation to do so. However, they understood the spiritual ramifications of wrapping money around some of these ventures and wrapping the AA name around some of these some of these ventures. So, uh, I'm going to I'm going to start reading here. Okay. The moment we saw that we had an answer for alcoholism, it was reasonable, or so it seemed at the time, for us to feel that we might have the answer to a lot of other things. The AA groups, many thought, could go into business, might finance any enterprise, whatever in the total field of alcoholism. In fact, we felt duty-bound 
to throw the whole weight of the AA name behind any uh, uh, notorious cause. Here are some of the things we dreamed. Hospitals didn't like alcoholics, so we thought we'd build a hospital chain of our own. People needed to be told what alcoholism was, so we'd educate the public, even rewrite school and medical textbooks. We'd gather up derelicts from skid rows, sort out those who could get well, and make it possible for the rest to earn their livelihood in a kind of quarantine confinement. Maybe these places would make large sums of money to carry on other, our other good works. We seriously thought of rewriting the laws of the land and having it declared that alcoholics are sick people. No more would they be jailed. Judges would parole them in our custody. We'd spill AA into the dark regions of dope addiction and criminality. We'd form groups of desperate and paranoid folks. The deeper the neurosis, the better we'd like it. It stood the reason that if alcoholism could be licked, so could any problem. It occurred to us we could take what we had into the factories and cause laborers and capitalists to love each other. Our uncompromising honesty might soon clean up politics. With one arm around the shoulder of religion and the other around the shoulder of medicine, we'd resolve their differences. Having learned to live so happily, we'd show everybody else how. Why, we thought, our Society of Alcoholics Anonymous might prove to be the spearhead of a new spiritual advance. We might transform the world. You know, when you think about their alcoholism, here's a bunch of people who were absolute hopeless alcoholics. They learned that by practicing a few spiritual exercises and by meeting together, money, you know, for mutual support, that they could overcome that. That was the biggest problem in their life at the time. And they were dying from it, and all of a sudden, here it is overcome. They're now recovered alcoholics. Wow, we could harness this spiritual power, and what could we do about it? Uh, you know, it's it's amazing that they didn't get into more trouble. Now, a, a story. Uh, a story about a group of people uh, was was brought to Bill Wilson. It's funny, Bill was far along in a lot of this stuff before he even learned of the Washingtonians. But uh, but the story of the Washingtonians, I think, is 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 important to talk about right now because uh, Bill got educated to it. Somebody said, "Hey, you know, if we do this, we might end up just like the Washingtonians." And Bill thought, "What the heck is the Washingtonians?" So he started looking into it, and uh, and I, I've done some uh, some research myself. The Washingtonians started, you know, right around the time of the Civil War, you know, 1865 or so. Uh, a group of six drunks in, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, uh, got together in a pub and said, you know, we've got to stop this. We're ruining our lives. Uh, let's make a pact. Let's make a pact together. Uh, that we're not going to drink. You know, we'll sign this this uh, abstinence pledge, and we'll band together, and we'll keep each other sober. And that was a very fortuitous meeting because they were able to do that, Bonnie. Not not only were they able to do that, they were able to convince a whole lot more people uh, to jump on the jump on the sober wagon, and and they did. They went from uh, six people uh, in, within five years. There was hundreds of thousands of them. Uh, it was it was absolutely amazing how fast they grew, because it was a good idea. It was a, it was a great idea. Let's let's stick together. Let's solve our our immediate problem, and, and then you know what? Uh, if we were able to solve that problem, let's solve a bunch more. And here's basically some of the things that uh, that they they uh, decided to help with the abolition of slavery. Some of them were for it. Some of them were against it. Prohibition of alcohol. Uh, uh, some of them were for it. Some of them were against it. 
they got involved in uh, in political uh, political disputes. Here's what they did: they had they knew they had a lot of horsepower with a couple of hundred thousand people uh, who were connected, you know, through uh, uh, through sobriety and through uh, spirit, uh, spiritual practices of, of meeting together and and helping each other. Uh, so they thought, okay, let's let's do some good stuff. But not everybody had the same idea. So what happened was, because of this infighting, because of one faction, uh, you know, fighting against another faction, and and for the fact that there was big shotism that was going on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people were vying for you know the top spot on the speaker circuit, you know, <laughs> and because of all of this stuff, what happened was the Washingtonians exploded and ended up going from hundreds of thousands of members to almost zero within a couple of years. It just, they imploded. And, uh, and uh, without, without very many exceptions, uh, the alcoholics and the Washingtonians died from. Now, when Bill started studying a little of this, a little of this history, I think it made a profound impact on him. Uh, the, the, I think it was a, a main motivator for these traditions because he did not want to go the way of uh, the Washingtonians. Wherever upon we, uh, where, whereupon we tried AA hospitals, they all bogged down because you cannot put an AA group into business. Too many busybody cooks spoil the broth. AA groups have their fling in education, and when they began to publicly whoop up the merits of this or that brand, people became confused. Did AA fix drunks, or was it an educational pro- project? Was AA spiritual, or was it medical? Was it a reform movement? In consternation, we saw ourselves getting married to all kinds of enterprises, some good and some not so good. Watching alcoholics committed willy-nilly to prisons or asylums, we began to cry, there ought to be a law. AAs commenced to thumb tables in legislative committee rooms and agitated for legal reform. That made good uh, newspaper copy, but little else. We saw we'd soon be mired in politics. Even inside AA, we found it imperative to remove the AA name from clubs and 12-step houses. And, you know, this makes a lot of sense, Monty, but, but what, what, what I think the damage that's been done by the wording of this tradition and especially uh, Tradition 11 and 12 is, it really makes it sound like if you're an AA member, you should not get involved in, in any of this. You shouldn't get involved in advocating for, uh, for, for better uh, 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 policies. Uh, as far as insurance companies are concerned, you, you shouldn't get involved in politics. You shouldn't do a lot of these things. But that's not what it's saying. Right. I think I think a lot of times AA members or other twelve-step members use these use these uh, traditions as a cop out to not get involved in things. Uh, we very much need to get involved in politics. We very much need to get involved in insurance reform and health care reform and all, all the things that are going to uh, positively impact uh, our alcoholism and addictive illness. We need to, we need to be involved at. Uh, and I'm very involved in, in all of that. I just don't, uh, I just don't uh, announce myself as, as a specific member of any 12-step group. That's none of anybody's business. You know, what I am is I'm a recovered alcoholic. And that breaks no tradition saying that. Uh, I can never uh, admit in press, radio, TV, or film 
uh, I can never admit uh, that I'm a, a member of any specific fellowship because that would be breaking the tradition. But the tradition does not, anonymity does not mean secrecy. And when it says, you know, we tried to, we tried to put the whole weight of, of the AA name behind these things, that was a mistake. But to put the whole weight of uh, us as individual uh, uh, citizens behind something makes a lot of sense sometimes. I think, I think you know, uh, we need to stand up for what we we believe in. And uh, one of the things, uh, one of the things that the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence does, which Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob were members of when it was first formed, and and they were told they they really probably should not be because of their name, and so they. They, they resigned, but they, they were there with Mar- Marty Mann when she was forming the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. One of the things that it does is it polls politicians, and it'll give you like six questions. Like, do you favor, uh, do you, do you favor improving, uh, uh, access to, uh, healthcare for alcoholism? You know, it'll, it, it's going to ask you all these all these questions. Do, do you believe that uh, there should be reform to drug and alcohol laws for nonviolent criminals? I mean, it'll it'll ask these questions, and then it'll uh, it'll expect these politicians to answer these questions, and then it'll make public to its members, the NCADD, the people that follow them. It'll make public how those politicians voted. So, if you as a citizen. Uh, want to uh, are very interested in, in in the policies and the positions of your politicians as far as it uh, revolves around alcoholism or drug dependence uh, or, or anything involved with that you can go online and you can uh, you can make an informed decision on who to vote for uh, using that information now unfortunately what happens 90% of the time is the politicians fail to respond. They refuse to answer. They don't see an upside to it. They don't want to be tagged uh, as as soft on alcoholics and drug driving or drug crimes, uh, and they don't want to be, uh, you know, they don't want to put the wrong thing down so that they lose uh, whatever contingent is paying attention to the NCADD website. So they find, they think that the, the best answer is just no answer at all. And that's kind of, uh, kind of unfortunate. Wow. But, wow. I, I was, um, uh, well, well, let me, let me, let me back up just a little bit. Uh, my observation is there's been kind of two, the people that really raise a stink about anybody that is, uh, calls himself in 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 the fellowship of the twelve step, their particular twelve step fellowship within their rooms, refers to themselves as a as an active member. Um, there are kind of two kinds of people that get really uptight about this kind of thing if you involve yourself in anything else. And I think one of them is the person that is you know really has an issue with being a control freak and. Quite frankly, they're the ones that want to. You know, they think you're 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 going after some sort of glory lights or something, and they, and they want they want to be the one that's recognized, uh, and so they get they get angry, you know. Uh, but then you got the other guy who is just extremely overly protective of his fellowship because it saved his life, and 
they they take it to the extreme and they actually think that they are doing uh, whatever 12-step fellowship they're a part of a service by hiding in the basements of the churches and the meeting halls. And they don't seem to understand that it says our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. Not your personal stories. Not your successes, not your failures, not your, not what you're sharing with people, not not even um, the philosophies, principles, and practices of the twelve steps. It's the public relations policy of that particular absolutely. fellowship. A- a- absolutely, absolutely. And as far as our twelve step work is concerned, it's very much promotional. You're supposed yeah. to read, read read the chapter, read the chapter working with others. You're supposed to be out four nights a week trying to find prospects. You're supposed to be going to the drunk tanks. You're supposed to be going to the hospitals. You're supposed to be going to the <coughs> the courts. That's your job, you know. And 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 uh, but people people will will use that attraction, not not promotion, uh, as a cop out. That's another way to to be lazy. You know, oh, we we don't we don't promote. Well, first of, first of all, uh, I'll tell you what: attraction, not promotion. Be attractive. You know, yeah. I, I, you know there there are individuals there are individuals in some of these uh, some of these fellowships that uh, you know I would question whether uh, whether they're they're acting in, a, in attractive ways or uh, you know you know what I'm saying. You you probably uh, understand what, <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking, but. Uh, but any, anyway, you know, uh, there's there's a misunderstanding about these traditions that goes on all over the place, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, you, you, the first the first sign of somebody being a traditional lawyer, that's when I know they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. You know, when they when they want to use the traditions as as tools to keep people in line, that that's 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 an immediate sign that they don't understand the traditions. Uh, they're they're caught they're caught up in pieces of the black print. And they don't understand what the what the nature of and the true purpose of the traditions is. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me let me go back to something else that was said here. Uh, I thought was quite interesting. Um, let me say this uh, as a segue into what I'm about to open up to to you listeners here. Um, the word religion has gotten a bad rap, in my opinion. But I understand. I I understand. You know, there is the word religion that carries that real negative connotation of uh, of control, trying to control you, and 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 you know, my way is the only way, or otherwise it's the highway, and and all that kind of thing. I I get that. I understand that. Um, but when they talked about what you know, like when Ebby Thatcher told Bill, "I've got religion," I don't think he was talking about that. I think he was talking about his spiritual relationship with the creator. Uh, and, and so when I look at that and I, and I hear the word uh, religion when this was written, it, it, and it's talking about in the beginning you were reading that part where it talked about uh, joining medicine with religion, right? Yeah. Um, I think I – understand, I understand the their concern and all that kind of thing, but – 
really in its truest form, isn't that we've kind of come full circle, but kind of went about it in maybe a, a more palatable way or whatever. And we've actually succeeded in that more and more when you when you look at groups like Origins or Serenity Springs or, or some of these, these fellowships that are actually doing exactly that. When you take the true meaning of religion, when you're talking about faith-based, reaching out to the poor, those in prison, et cetera, et cetera, that the book of James talks about. Is, is really what true religion is. And, and we take the spiritual end of this thing, uh, uh, and then we take the clinical piece and we, we, we mold them together because they really don't contradict each other. Isn't really that what they wanted to do in the beginning and now we've actually accomplished? You know, what, I, what, I, what Bill was involved with in the very beginning was he got Sam Shoemaker from the Cavalry Church uh, Mission to meet with Charlie Towns from the 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 uh, the, uh, uh, the drug and alcohol hospital. Yeah. You know, he, you know, and, and they tried they tried to figure out a way to work together. That that is, at, its, at its simplest is is where Bill was starting. You know, you're talking about a very very big concept, and you're talking about yeah. a concept that's near and dear to, to my heart, which is which is basically a holistic approach to. Uh, addictive illness uh, treatment and recovery, mm-hmm. and I have been an advocate for uh, for outcome based uh, addictive illness uh, treatment and recovery processes for a very very long time. What's happening now, though, is the spiritual is still at, at, at in a way at war with uh, with the the medical. The medical, yeah. Right, right, right. right now, you know, listen. Origins is a great example of how to do it right. Okay. Yeah. But what's what's happening right now, and what uh, what C four Recovery Solutions and a couple of other boards that I'm on are very very worried about is there is a monstrous amount of power in big pharma, and uh, and they have the ability to get uh, clinical studies written the way they want them to be written. And there's really no money or, or no power on the other side. Uh, you know, the spiritual people don't, you know, don't have multi-billion dollar organizations. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is a lot of the data, a lot of the evidence-based data that's being used now to, uh, to influence insurance and reimbursement uh, uh, practices in addictive illness is being driven by big pharma. And what they're saying is, what they're saying is, is we have a solution that costs five percent of what your solution is. You want to put somebody in inpatient for twenty eight days? We've got a solution that works as well as your solution, and we can prove it with evidence based data, and it costs five percent. And what that is is it's Suboxone or some other some other right. addiction drug. And they and they are they are. Uh, they are uh, fighting this fight because, you know, 10% of the population, if they have addictive illness, that's a lot of prescriptions money. That's uh, that's probably, uh, you know, uh, uh, 20-some million prescriptions that they could write every couple of months. Uh, for that's a lot of money. So yeah, so yeah. so that's that's their that's their market. That's how they do it. There's nobody on the other side uh, that has any clout that can fight this. You know, uh, and what's ha- what's happening is one by one, uh, treatment centers are getting picked off if they aren't playing ball with the med- the medicated assisted uh, uh, treatment and recovery. They're they're going to they're going to get picked off. And and uh, I've got to tell you, there you want to truly follow outcomes uh, as far as recovery 
First, define recovery as the promises that can come true that are listed in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Define recovery as that, and then show me somebody that has recovered through medication. And, and those promises have come true. You're not, you're not going to be able to. Yeah. But what they'll do is they'll call recovery, uh, 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 they'll call recovery, uh, you know, not returning to prison. <laughs> that's what, that's, that's how they'll define recovery. <laughs> you know, not going back into the system is recovery. And you and I, you and I have just oh, a different geez. picture of all this. So, so this is what's going on now. Now there are ethical, there are ethical places who who are you know who are still able to play the insurance game and the reimbursement game and still do a good job with uh, with treatment, and they really care about outcomes. But listen, it, you know you got to keep the doors open, and if you have to do a bad job to keep the doors open, you'll do a bad job to keep the doors open. You'll justify it. And that's what 95% of the treatment centers in America do right now. They keep the doors open by doing a bad job. Okay, so here, so here, so here is where the responsibility of the recovery community, when I say re- recovery community and you say recovery community, we're talking about those of us who've been there to been there in hell and back, and we have experienced the spiritual awakening as a result of these 12 steps, where our responsibility to uh, to understand this tradition and not misinterpret it as not being involved at all is very, very important. We have to be able to say, you know what? I am going to understand what personal anonymity really means, the spirit, the spiritual principle behind it. I'm going to understand what our public relations policy is and the principle behind that. And I'm going to take this thing to the streets and I'm going to tell people this works. Because, see, I think Half of the problem is ours. We have been hiding in, like I said, in the basements of our churches and our meeting halls for so long, misunderstanding what personal anonymity means. And there's no proof that this 12-step model works because the people it's worked on have kept their mouth shut. Yeah, yeah, they they believe anonymity is secrecy, and they're and they're keeping their head in the sand. Listen, there's a couple of good organizations, you know, and I know the people that that run these. Uh, Faces and Voices out of Washington D.C. That's yeah. all about telling your recovery story, not breaking your anonymity, but telling your recovery story in a very public way. You know, however you can do that. The anonymous people. Listen, there, there's a number of organizations that realize that we have to harness the recovery clout in the recovery community, or else we will be boondoggled by uh, by uh, by psychiatrists who have hidden agendas uh, and, and truly believe that they understand addictive illness when they've never even had it themselves, uh, it, 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 you know, we're going to get boondoggled. So I think, I think each person who has achieved uh, recovery, a, a state called recovered in their life, needs to do something. You know, become a member of Faces and Voices. Because, you know, do, do whatever you can. The NCADD is looking for advocates. Uh, uh, you can become an advocate and you can, you can, uh, do a little bit of political, uh, polstering. You know, you can, uh, you can, you can show up at certain meetings with, uh, with certain, uh, uh agendas. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, that's all well and good. We need to be letting the politicians know that we're here. We need to be letting the insurance companies know we're here. We need to be letting the people that make 
bad decisions that have <laughs> terrible ramifications uh, for people who have not yet achieved recovery. We, we we need to we need to be there for those people and be uh, and be saying, look, this is what worked for me. <laughs> you know, this is what worked for me when I tried drugs. <laughs> to get sober, it did not work. Okay, <laughs> this is what worked for me. Uh, I am now uh, I'm now a recovered alcoholic. I I was I used to not be, and, and and listen, it's a bigger problem than a prescription pad can solve. You know, we need to be doing what we can do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Mike? yeah, you bet. You bet. And I know I know we we kind of got off here on here but I think this is I think this is definitely intertwined in this tradition because we misunderstand what this tradition says and then we we mute ourselves and I think that's that's important that we we talked about this. Absolutely. Okay, I'll get back to the book. Okay. These adventures implanted a deep-rooted conviction that in no circumstances could we endorse any related enterprise no matter how good. We of Alcoholics Anonymous could not be all things to all men nor should we try. Years ago, this principle of no endorsement was put to a vital test. Some of the great distilling companies proposed to go into the field of alcohol education. It would be a good thing, they believed, for the liquor trade to show a sense of public responsibility. And they still do that. You know, drink responsibly, uh, you know, Harry's whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> they, want, they wanted to say that liquor should be enjoyed, not misused. Hard drinkers ought to slow down. And problem drinkers, alcoholics, should not drink at all. In one of their trade associations, the question arose just how this campaign should be handled. Of course, they would use the resources of radio, press, and films to make their point. But what kind of person should have the job? They immediately thought of Alcoholics Anonymous. If they could find a good public relations man in our ranks, why wouldn't he be ideal? He'd certainly know the problem. His connection with AA would be valuable because the fellowship stood high in public favor and hadn't an enemy in the world. <laughs> Soon they spotted their man, and AA was the necessary experience. Straight away, he appeared at New York AA headquarters asking, is there anything in our tradition that suggests I shouldn't take a job like this one? The kind of education seems good to me, and it's not too controversial. Do you headquarters folks see any bugs in it? At first glance, it did look like a good thing. Then doubt crept in. The, associated, the association wanted to use our member's full name in all its advertising. He was to be described both as its director of publicity and as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of course, there couldn't be the slightest objection if such an association hired an AA member solely because of his public relations ability and his knowledge of alcoholism. That's a good sentence. That basically says that you know we can you know we just we just can't be labeled members. Right. But that wasn't the whole story. For in this case, not only was an AA member to break his anonymity at a public level, he was to link the name of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous to this particular educational project in the minds of millions. It would be bound to appear that AA was now backing education, liquor trade association style. The minute we saw this compromising fact for what it was, we asked the prospective publicity director how he felt about it. Great guns, he said. Of course I can't take the job. The ink wouldn't be dry on the first ad before an awful shriek would go up from the dry camp. They'd be out with lanterns looking for an honest AA to plump for their brand of education. AA would land exactly in the middle of the wet-dry controversy. Half the people in this country would think we'd signed up with the dries. The other half would think we'd joined the wets. What a mess. Nevertheless, we pointed out, uh, you still have a legal right to take the job. I know that, he said. But this is no time for legalities. Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life, and it comes first. 
I certainly won't be the guy to land AA in big-time trouble, and this would really do it. Concerning endorsements, our friend had said it all. We saw that, as never before, uh, that we could not lend the AA name to any cause other than our own. And I believe that. I believe that. I, I just wish... I just wish it was written in language that would show you where the line in the sand is, sure, and and uh, and and tell you that you know, as a human being, as someone who is developing compassion as part of a spiritual life, uh, you need to be about the business of helping wherever and whenever you can. Uh, that that this isn't this is not a tradition to to stop you from being of help. This is a tradition to stop you from tying the name Alcoholics Anonymous to any any endeavor. Uh, uh, it's it's not to keep you from being tied to an endeavor. It's to keep the name from being tied to an endeavor. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Mark? So his so his his uh, his realization that he couldn't do this was was primarily because they wanted to use his full name, and then he would be known. People would automatically know who he was as associated with AA. If that hadn't been the... They didn't want him if he wasn't going to be an AA member. Right, right, right. Because that was their their clout, they thought. Yeah, they thought that would be good. At that time, really, really good press was happening for for, for AA. Right. There was was a Saturday Evening Post article, the Liberty Magazine article. They were getting some really, really good press. Even... uh, even Herbert Hoover, uh, the president of the United States, in a speech, you know, this is back around 1940 or 45 or something, said uh, said that, uh, uh, you know, the whole world should practice the 12-step principles of, uh, found in Alcoholics Anonymous. It would be a better place. I mean, Herbert Hoover said uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. So they were, they were getting, you know, they were getting some serious clouds. I think it's been a long time since a, since a, a president has... Uh, has talked about Alcoholics Anonymous from uh, from behind the microphone. Yeah, I haven't heard it in a long time. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, uh, I, w- I was just gonna, I was thinking about this thing about taking the job. You know, uh, you're right. There are a lot of people. I hear it. I hear it quite often. So many times we'll hear people, especially if they're in their first year of of uh, working a recovery program. Uh, you will hear a lot of well-meaning folks say, you know, I really feel like God's leading me in a direction of that to be a drug and alcohol counselor. And, and, and you know, I never argue with that because th- that sometimes is very true. And, and you, you don't want to squash somebody's dreams. This may be the first time they've even thought of anything that was responsible at all, you know. And, uh, and But I hear people poo-poo that right away. They, they just laugh at them or, or, or whatever. Um and some of them will even say, you know, you're not to do that because you are, if you do that and get paid for it, you're selling recovery. And and see, and I know that does happen, but I think more than 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 not, it, it doesn't. And it's just a big misunderstanding. I mean, there's people, and we talked about this before, when you were doing Afflicted and Affected, uh, were, were you making money hand over foot, buddy? Uh, I think I think we we were. <laughs> I think what happens with people like us, money, is we we just make enough and not even. I know. <laughs> you know, listen. If I if I wanted to make a lot of money, I'm very close to Wall Street. I could go in and be a, a money manager. There you money's go. Ne- money's never been the main motivator for me. You know? and, and, and you know, that's one thing that I think is is really 
a, a wonderful gift with so many folks that are uh, doing you know what you do, what I do, what, what they maybe they do it at group level, maybe they do it in their in their county or their city or whatever. For the most part, from there are exceptions, but for the most part, I think we're really blessed with an attitude of this isn't about my pocketbook, and um, that's just that's cool, man. When you, when you can get material things out of the way, we see things more clear. You know, you were talking about people becoming uh, alcoholism counselors. There's probably not a large group uh, in the world where someone doesn't come up with that idea. Sure. And again, I'm not saying that's not a bad idea. But I wish for every person that decides to become an alcoholism counselor, somebody would decide to try to do something so that uh, so that they can uh, advocate for alcoholism counselors getting more than $8 an hour. You know, <laughs> it's probably the worst-paid job on the planet. Uh, if you if you make if you make four hundred dollars a week, that's a lot, uh, and you have you know you have to make ma- you have to have master's degrees. I mean, it's it's just and licenses and school and <laughs> clinical hours. It, it, it's really really onerous today uh, to to get the, to get that piece of paper. And you know, I think for everybody that wants to become an alcoholism counselor, there's, there should be somebody uh, right next to them trying trying to push for. They should be getting as much as as uh, some of the people that work in hospitals. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Listen, listen. Nurses in a hospital uh, make make ninety thousand dollars a year or more. Sometimes six figures around here, money. Uh, why why should a, a hospital nurse uh, make more than an alcoholism counselor? Uh, you know who who came up, who came up with that? Who came up with the pay grade? So right. uh, so you know if we could pay these people more. Right now, alcoholism counselors, if you look at the median age, they're all in their sixties and seventies. <laughs> very few young people are, are being able to make it because you can't make a living. You know, maybe if, maybe if you have a wife or a husband that makes a lot of money, you can you can do it. You know, right. uh, you, you 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 can make the four hundred a week. But uh, uh, you know, listen, listen. In the area that I live in, Monty, this is going to sound crazy to you, but in the area that that I live in, uh, you, you you can make two hundred thousand dollars a year and live paycheck to paycheck renting an apartment. <laughs> that that's what it costs in our area. Oh boy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's yeah. in California, and there's this place, there's places that are like that. Uh, how can you pay somebody eight dollars an hour after they've got a master's degree? That's criminal. So, uh, so, so anyway, yeah. we need to we need to do something so that we can get good counselors. You're not going to have a good counselor if you can't pay them. Uh, we need we need to pay them uh, the right amount of money uh, so that we can have uh, we can have good health care. Uh, we deserve it as much as anybody else. Listen, you go into we have Sloan Kettering around here. You go in there, they you know they give you an iced glass of iced tea, and the music is playing, and you sit down on a big leather couch. You know, it, 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 there's there's paintings on the wall, and it's in a it's in a a uh, hundred million dollar building, and you know, I mean, no no cost is spared, you know, for your cancer treatment. You go into uh, you go into an alcoholism treatment facility. You're down in the basement of some hospital <laughs> yeah. with, with radiators hissing and cockroaches run. It's just it's not right. It's not right. And you know, 
So uh, don't listen. If you're out there and you, you want to become an alcoholism counselor, don't. Become somebody that's going to try to get alcoholism counseling actually paid for. Become one of those guys because we need them more. Yeah. Yeah, amen to that. You're cracking me up. It is so true. It's painfully true. It it, it really is. I, I went to uh, to see a lady to deal with some of my de- depression stuff and, and years ago, and I remember her office man. I'm walking up these creaky old stairs, and there was some uh, some sort of incense burning or something, some sort of water based mechanism with music playing out of it and these old um uh md magazines i mean they were way out of date and in the chair i sat in i I could swore it would break under me any time and she come out just a sweet lady and she really did do a lot a lot of good for me but she you know i mean and, and i looked around i said this is an interesting office and she goes are you kidding me she goes, I don't even have an office. I share offices with people all over the Tri-County area. I can't even afford an office. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week, Tradition 7, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And uh, so this will be this will be interesting. Uh, got some questions about that, about fundraisers and, and that kind of thing, because that always seems to come up. Um, and this tradition pops in there whenever there's an activities chair or uh, an activities committee or an activity coming up, whether it's a group level, district level, or whatever. So uh, tradition seven. And, and, th- and this tradition is one of those, and I, I'll just give the listeners a little peek preview. Um, this is one of those traditions that I have learned to apply in my personal life, and it has not been easy. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Yes, I do. <laughs> These, these traditions are spiritual principles. Yeah, you know they can, they can be they can all be applied to your personal life. Yeah, you better believe they can. They sure can. All right. Well, another great show. Thank you so much, Chris. Boy, we're we're coming down to the countdown. Not too many weeks away. And yeah, got- we might actually finish this thing before we're both in the ground. Yeah. All right, my friends. Uh, this is the Monty Man along with Chris Schroeder, and until our next broadcast, we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Hey everybody, it's the Monty Man, and before we wrap this up, I just want to let you know that if you've been enjoying walking through the 12 steps and 12 traditions with myself and Chris, we have a great show for you, a whole series, 34 one-hour-each workshops called Walking Through the Big Book. How do you get them? How do you listen and download for fun and for free? Simply visit us at Take12Radio.com. Scroll down, click on the banner that says Recovery Workshops, and there you will find the link to the page, Walking Through the Big Book, where Chris and I go through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, line by line, page by page, in the most comprehensive audio workshop ever put together on the internet to date. So don't miss out. Remember, visit Take12Radio.com, click on the Recovery Workshops banner, and there you will find the link walking through the big book. Talk to you later. See you soon.